0: we got a great episode planned. Obviously, uh, we have a pre-recorded interview that we, we were able to talk to Mike Greer uh, the other night, which was excellent. Um, you fans will uh, will really enjoy that. He gives a lot of great insight. we got the mailbag and a couple other topics, so giddy up. Here we go, Motsy. Yeah, looking forward to it. You've been watching the, the World Juniors? I have.
1: Yeah, it's been great because it's being played in just one rank that's spread out over one day. So on Christmas Day, kicked off 2 o'clock. Six o'clock, nine thirty. So I was posted up on the couch, after ripping through my presents and stuff in my face. But yeah, a lot of great hockey. It's it's the quality of play is great, and you know, best players under uh, twenty in the world playing at a high level, and it's just been really really good to watch. There's some some talented players, talented
0: teams, and excited to see the outcome. Yeah, no, it's great hockey to watch. A lot of talent on all these different teams and and you know, so many different first round picks and things. It's been great. How was it? Christmas? Was good with the family. Oh yeah. Yep. So I got everything that I had
1: on my list, yeah. which is good. It was a pair of socks and a tie. And did you
0: get some combos in your stocking? I know you're a big combo guy. Huge combos. I got a uh, gift card to uh <laughs> It's a couple convenience stores. To the
1: convenience store down the street.
0: <laughs> I'm going to load up on the combos. Yeah, it comes in, you know. Especially driving a hockey. I know you love the, the, yeah. the combos and lick the fingers and get them all over the steering wheel. It's yeah. nice,
1: yeah. Yeah, any road trip uh, combos are an absolute necessity. It's a staple in, in the truck. And um, You just a- show your Avon roots right there yeah. with, with the combos being top of the snack list. Yeah, well, I mean, some of the um, selection of
0: of flavors is just <laughs> off the charts. They just keep wowing me. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Obviously the the world juniors, like we said, has been great and, and obviously we hope everybody had a uh a Merry Christmas and we're getting into the new year. I gotta give uh Studley Budley, uh Buddy Yandel, my father, a a shout out. It was his birthday over the weekend right after uh Christmas he uh turned uh Mario Lemieux, number sixty six here. So uh happy birthday to to Big Bud. Happy birthday, buddy. That's a good number.
1: You know, as far as a Christmas present, you know, I'm sure he was the best Christmas present his parents ever had. So
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: That's great stuff. Yeah, so as far as World Juniors, uh, I was fortunate to play uh, back in 97, and it's just a, a great thrill to put on the um, the jersey and represent your country, and there's a lot of pride and camaraderie within the group, and the competition is great. We had some uh, really good players. We were over in Finland that year, and... You know, it's a process to make the team, and you know, looking back, there's uh, such memories and and relationships that you you form. And these kids, uh, you know, now that the U.S. development program is in place, you know that they know each other, they play with one another. You know, there's some outliers that make the team at times, but for the most part, they know each other uh, really well, and that camaraderie and that chemistry is is kind of one of the biggest X factors. You know, it's a short tournament, you know, um, with a lot of High end competition, so you want to hit the ground running. So, but it's it is great quality uh, play, and you know Canada beat up on Germany the other day. And you know we talk about running up scores, but in a tournament like this, you know you have to throw that out the window because this um, goals for, goals against, yeah, stuff. yeah, goal differential uh, component to it. But sixteen to two is
0: is is a number. I was uh, a buddy of mine texted me like he's a he's a gambler, and he was like the Canada was minus seven which is like I mean that's a football spread it's crazy you know what I mean he's like what do you think I'm like I I don't know I know Germany had the COVID bug going around I'm like but seven goals it's crazy and then I I was working I looked at the score I'm like 15-1 like what is going on it's nuts but uh yeah that was uh that was interesting to see it was uh it was crazy but how was the uh I mean it's great I know obviously back in the day when when you were playing I mean we were still surviving on black and white TVs and, and, you know, probably six channels, right? But it's great to see the coverage that you get nowadays and having the NHL network and everything around is, 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 is awesome to watch. Yeah. I think that's,
1: you know, as far as Canada goes, it's uh, you know, a stat was that it gets better ratings in the Super Bowl. you know, as far as uh, viewership and we didn't have the coverage back then, but you know, we, we definitely had the, the quality of play. There was a, t- a ton of great players that we played uh, with and against. But having the NHL Network on board and, and, and televising all the all the games is just is great for the game. It's great for these players' exposure, you know. And also looking at it from a scouting point of view, it, it was always a great event for, for players and management to go and see their guys or see potential draft picks. But um, you know, being able to see it on on the TV is is probably second best. Uh, and having those live games. But yeah, it, it is a, a great time to sit down on the couch I recorded uh yesterday's because I was kind of buzzing around but I
0: stayed up and watched all the games so it's it's been uh it's been a treat let's just say yeah that's good yeah between that and and you know the NFL and all that stuff getting going it's been good I I I actually had a funny story I was excuse me I do a little pool with with some friends and there's about a dozen of us and everybody throws up a few bucks and you know it's a fun little thing and my brother started a few weeks ago this, like, whoever does the best at the 1 o'clock games, he orders them, like, Uber Eats. And uh, so I was I was coaching games. I had three games over the weekend, and, and I ended up, like, you know, winning the most games. So they're like, next thing you know, I'm coaching a game. I, they're like, oh, where's your game? I'm thinking they're going to send me, like, an Uber Eats delivery of food at my you know, on the bench with me, right? So I'm like, oh, it's up at Hockeytown. I just made up the rank that it was at. I was hoping they would they'd get it delivered to the rank, and some random coach would be eating KFC on the bench or something. You know what I mean? So, turns out my wife's at the house, and somebody's banging on the door, and she's like taking down the the, the lights off the tree and slamming on the door, the banging on the windows. The guy's like, hey, what uh, you know, what's going on here? Joanne's like. Uh, what are you doing? She's like, I didn't order any food. And he's like, no, I got a, I got a delivery here for Ross. It's, it was a big Mountain Dew, uh, KFC, like a bucket of chicken from KFC. She's like, leave it on the porch. Like it, it was hilarious. It was a typical nonsense group of friends that I have, but it was a, kind of a funny story. I was really banking on you know getting it delivered to Hockey Town and some coach be like, yeah, I, I think this delivery is for you. I, I, I thought that would have been even better, you know? I love it. Yeah, a
1: little <laughs> drumstick on the bench. Never yeah. heard anyone.
2: <laughs> <laughs> exactly.
1: Oh, that's awesome. But you get, um, you know, you, you get your reward for winning. Right? Yeah, it doesn't
0: yeah. get old winning championships. Exactly. I'll take it. I'll take it. That's for sure. I'm not a. I'm not a big uh, fast food guy. But uh, I, I, you know, whatever. It was. It was good to have. And the rink shrinks are brought to you in part by the Boston Junior Terriers. The Junior Terriers are one of the top hockey organizations not only in New England but throughout the country. The Boston Junior Terriers play out of the Canton Sportsplex and Canton Mass as well as the Mark Babis Arena and Rockland Mass. They are centrally located and offer easy access to their rinks from all major areas. With several age groups nationally ranked for years, the Boston Junior Terriers have continued to provide professional coaching, top-notch skill sessions, and competition. Playing in the Eastern Hockey Federation, which is recognized as the top youth hockey league in the country, the Boston Junior Terriers provide hockey for all ages and skill sets from their entry level, learn to play and skate, all the way through U18, under 18, and everything in between. From cradle to college, Mots, when you think about it, right? Absolutely. Um, When choosing to play club hockey, your tuition is paying for the incredibly high level of coaching, development, and competition. So if you or your child is looking to learn the game, or for the competitive edge that can get you to another level, look no further than the Boston Junior Terriers. The Boston Junior Terriers organization has developed countless college and NHL players with the finest and most knowledgeable professional coaches running skill sessions and preparing you for the best competition at the elite and Tier 1 levels. For more information on all that the Boston Junior Terriers offer, visit www.terriershockey.com. Mention the rink shrinks if you want to join the Learn to Play next session or if you want to join any school vacation program programming this winter to receive 20 percent off make sure you rent you mention the rink shrinks and that's 20 percent off in all those programs they get a lot of good um, a lot of good things going on once again that website is terriershockey.com today make sure you visit and take your game to the next level that's great stuff yeah that's Great
1: program. You know, you're coaching within the program. I actually played for the Boston Junior Terriers. We had some great teams. Hall of Uh, Famer. Hall of Famer, (laughs) yeah. As far as, uh, you know, every uh, level there's an opportunity for a kid to be able to play at, right? So, and I know um, Russ and the group over over at the Terriers are doing a great job at providing all opportunities and putting out great coaches and, uh, the programs that provided are second to none, so I encourage you to log on to that website, punch in the ring shrinks, and really take advantage of that twenty percent off discount.
0: Yeah, make sure you take care of that, especially there's a lot of you know learn to play hockey things going on, and and they do have some vacation camps and stuff. So make sure you take advantage of that twenty percent off, and also just from a coaching and playing perspective, uh, obviously I coach three teams within the organization, and. Um, you know, the, the ownership group and the management um, team with the Terriers, they provide a, you know, an excellent service. They're very hands-on. Um, one of the things that, that, you know, I think people lose sight of is, is owners. There's, you know, it's a business, right? And a lot of these guys use this as an investment, but Russ and, and his team, they're the type of people they are very approachable. They're very open to talking to parents and players and that, you know, they they do an excellent job there. I love it. Um, and it's a it's it's a great group of guys and and, and obviously a lot of fun they, they create a great culture and great environment for, for these kids to develop and, and play hockey yeah c- competitive teams throughout and um, it's always a tough game when uh, when you're going up against the terriers so when you're entering the dog pound yeah <laughs> <laughs> on to some uh, some hockey stuff I was you know I was one to chat to you, you know, with you about is at what age do you think? And I know this, it, you know, it comes from the mailbag a little bit too. But at what age do you think it's okay to kind of, you know, shorten the bench, put out power plays, put out penalty kills, and things like that? Obviously, I deal with the youth, younger teams than you for the most part, um, and you know, we just kind of roll the lines and play. But what are your thoughts on it? You know what, my son's fifteen, and you know, we did
1: have a couple power play setups. You know, we, so we could run through a few uh, reps in practice. But when it, I, I made sure that everyone knew, you know, the routes on each position. And I, I still feel that, you know, the developmental time is, you know, everyone should be getting a, a chance. You know, it's even at 15, to shorten a bench, you know, there is certain times within a game um, where you can use your personnel differently. I would say, uh, and again, like we're talking high school age players, so they they'll be accustomed to it once they play in the high school uh, season. But again, I, I it's easy to say, you know, like hey, I want to have this guy, you know, in the power play on the half wall at this time. But you know, all the kids are, are capable enough. You know, if you have a high end play, you know, obviously you, you can kind of work around him uh, in certain. Specialty situations, but everyone should know what they're doing, you know, and, and coach to the group um, shortening the bench is is, you know, difficult at a young age. There's, I, I disagree with it, mm-hmm. you know, um, and I got some pushback from some parents about, you know, player X being on the ice that, you know, a power play situation and they were nine and 10 years old. And I'm like, hey, uh, that's the end of our conversation. Yeah. But, you know, it's. No, I, I think, uh, as you know, we talked to Grizzly about. You know, there's there's definitely um, too much emphasis on winning, and, yeah. and, and that's it's kind of stunts the the developmental uh, kind of thought process.
0: Yeah. No, I think. Uh I know at least in my philosophy has always been as I'm getting like my, you know, my peewee team, I've started to kind of show them some different setups and work on it with each group. And, you know, we have three lines and five defensemen. So I try to go through it all with everybody. Obviously, some guys are a little bit more skilled than others, but, um, you know, for the most part, you know, I would say nine times out of 10, we just, you know, whatever lines out there we roll with and, and, try to just hey set up if we got two righties just set up in a little bit of an overload or, or whatever it may be. An umbrella, try to roll into something like that. And and just show them all because it is it, I think it's so important for them to know the different responsibilities and work on, you know, getting pucks to the net and different things like that. But to have set power play and penalty kill units I think is a little ridiculous, especially at the youth level. Mm-hmm. Um that's that's just my thoughts on it and I think all of these, these kids, they're paying to play, and, and they deserve that, that ice time. And you can't just say to a kid, oh, he's getting, you know, he, he's just a, a penalty killer and things like that. And and that was another thing I wanted to kind of touch on. Like, as we get older, right, everybody's paying to play, right, for the, for the most part, right? Even, you know, at, at, at your level, at the high school level, at the midget level, you know, you're in pay-to-play leagues. But at what point in time, you know, if a kid has a bad effort and he's not working – do you pull that kid off and, and 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 you know kind of discipline him with his ice time and, and and all that stuff? You know what I mean? Like I said, everybody's paying. Everybody's paying that that three thousand bucks to five thousand bucks, whatever it may be, in your part of the the, the country or uh, wherever you're living. It's it, it's not a cheap sport, that's for sure. But um, you know, there's definitely you, you, you got to find that balance. I think too. You know, yeah i I feel that the ice time is the the biggest.
1: Kind of say power you have over a player, and and it kind of gets their attention the most when you you pull the ice time. And for me, it was always you know if there's a a mistake made, you know it's a game of mistakes. But if it's a mistake that we've been kind of talking about and, and really trying to get out of a game, or, or a decision that you know is is could could be easily made if you know like the attention to detail was there and. You know, because physical mistakes do happen, right? So if that now that player is making the same mistake over and over again, and so then I, I t- tell him, and then, you know, he does it again, tell him again, if he's starting to make a choice where he thinks that his way is better than what the coaches are saying. And that's an absolute opportunity to pull back on ice time. So I usually give them three strikes. Sometimes I'll even give them that fourth strike, like, you know, like a like a T-ball or you know, a <laughs> coach pitch, yeah, you know, yeah, the fourth strike. But it's, you know, you give them opportunities, especially just in that specific situation. Obviously, you know, like I said, it's a game of mistakes and you're not expecting, you know, perfect play from different age groups or whatever, but I just think that, you know, if you put that in place and you tell the kids up front – You know, this is, you know, what you want to accomplish in this, in this situation. And if they listen and try to execute it, you're, you're fine, you know, but then if you're trying to do your own thing consistently, I think that's where you can stop pulling back ice time. Just, I mean, even if it's a shift, right? you know, I'm not looking to bench a kid, it's just one shift, think about
0: it. And then next time you're in that position, just make a better decision. Yeah. No, I think, like you said, that ice times, that caveat and, and. You know, I, my biggest thing is an effort thing, right? The effort we talk about it all the time is you can control your effort, right? Everybody's going to have bad games, everybody's going to make mistakes, but if you, you know, if you're putting forth a good effort and you're going out and you are competing your you butt off every time you're on the ice, how can a coach argue that, right? You know what I mean? And this, you know, you might not be the most skilled player on the team and and things like that, but if you're going out and you're giving a solid effort, you know, there's no reason for you to sit a guy. But if you're going out and you're kind of half assing things, then maybe you pull back on some ice time. That's what, that's what happens. Cause you do, you know, even though in, in my mind, even though, yeah, mommy and daddy are paying for you to play. Like if you're not going to go put forth an effort and you know, you get your parents that are driving you and, and taking you all over the state to these different games and things like that. If you're just going to show up here and go through the motions, then you're wasting everybody's time. And, you know, I wouldn't say that, you know, I think at the younger age groups, you know, the kids go out and they work hard and they have fun. But as we get into U14, U15, 16s, you know, now it's time to get ready for high school hockey. Right. And, you know, you might be playing at the junior level now nowadays and you're paying close to 10 grand and you might get healthy scratch in the stands. Like that's that's the way it, it, it works in the hockey world. And, you know, we talked about it even with the scholarship stuff last episode. I think it was with, you know, you might be there on a on a full ride and, and they might, you know, not play you at all. That's 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 the reality of it. So you've got to learn to put forth that best effort and, and and go from there. And nothing's going to be handed to you, especially the the higher you 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 climb in the you know in the, in the ranks of hockey. That's for sure.
1: Yeah, and you know in our conversation with Mike Grey he, t- he kind of touched on that as being a you know responsible, versatile player, understanding all areas of the game, and um, not giving a, a coach a reason to not play you. So it's like if you, you know, are doing the right things, taking care of yourself on and off the ice uh, and then on the ice, kind of understanding those pressure areas and, and making those decisions and instilling and, and confidence and you're going to get more ice time. And that's just one area where the coachability part of it is, is one of the major issues at times when you know, that's something you can control. You pay attention to details. You you try to execute the best of your ability and and control that work ethic. It's it's all kind of part of being that responsible 200-foot player that everyone is kind of looking for.
0: Yeah, and I mean, I think... with that too is, you know, I'll never punish a player for getting an, an effort type of penalty, right? You work hard, maybe you know, especially as we get contact, you go and you play the body on somebody, and maybe the referee gives you a penalty. Or you you know, you're back checking your you butt off and you you know, you maybe tug a guy or whatever or, or you know, whatever the, the the penalty may be, but if it's, you know, stupidity and and a retaliations type stuff, then for me that's that's you know, you have the right as a coach to sit a guy down for a couple of shifts. That's, that's the reality of it in my mind. Like you've got to recognize the situation that, Hey, we're about to go on the power play. Maybe you got cheap shotted and you know, because you retaliate now it's a four on four, you know, now, now we're back to even strength when we could have had a man advantage and had, you know, a better opportunity to score a goal. And, you know, sometimes a kid doesn't learn unless he, he sits on his butt next to you for a couple of shifts. That's the way it, that's the way it works.
1: Yeah. That the knee jerk reaction touched on it before but it's usually the bad one you know like it's selfish it's uh you know you're not thinking of the the bigger picture you're not thinking of the team you're not thinking of uh, the situation where if you do kind of eat it and and don't retaliate um you know your team has a chance to go on the power play and, and and score a goal where it matters the most on the scoreboard but it it is a developmental, say emotional developmental kind of situation too. At times, you know, it's an emotional game, and you know, kids there get all rattle, riled up and, and fired up, and it's tough to to maintain you know composure at all times. So, there's some passes along the way, but uh, you know, you, you want you can't have these kids be perfect, but you know, that's a message that can be sent. Yeah, uh, I mean,
0: I think I think the biggest thing is like again, I I understand the emotional part of it, but when it's like yelling at a referee, or doing stuff like that, like that's just a huge no-no in yeah. my mind, you know, because yeah. referees make mistakes. It, it, it happens, you know what I mean? And, and nine times out of ten we're getting a kid that's, you know, a young kid that's 14 or 15 years old that, that, you know, they're just trying to earn a few bucks and maybe they don't know the game that great. And, and again, they make mistakes, and I think every referee that's ever that's ever refed will tell you they don't ref a perfect game. That's part of the reality
1: of it. Yeah, and, that, and they're distractions too for the player you know if you're worried about what the ref is doing and what the ref is kind of his his kind of his role in the game then you're not focused on what you can control and what you can do on the ice so just try to eliminate the distractions focus on what you can control and and be that coachable player
0: yeah no i think um you know you wanted to touch touch on that a bit is that coachability right and we heard a we hear in our interview with Grizzy a, a great story about Jack Hughes, the number one overall pick, and you know him being a sponge and being that coachable player, um, you know, and just really, you know, his attitude of trying to be the best player there is, and and he wants to puck on his stick, and you know he wants to continuously improve his game, um, you know. What What are your thoughts on all that?
1: Yeah, it's it's tough to you can't really teach that internal drive, but a lot of kids have it. You know, and you know, you can. Get, your parents can push and, and guide and, and encourage. Um, that internal drive is is really what will separate a lot of players as they as they climb the ranks from age group to age group, working to be the best player you can be. And, and we've we've touched on a lot of different areas to do that, but it's it's really coming from the belly, right? You, you want that that internal be, drive. Yeah, you want to be the best you can be and whatever you know. It could be the Practice that drill, and then transfer into the game. And staying in that present, and just really doing what it takes to to kind of understand wh- where you want to be and where you want to go. And um, it was really nice to hear what Grizzly had to say, and we'll uh, be able to hear a few more things from from him in the interview.
0: Oh, one other thing that I want to touch on too, and we forgot at the beginning was a. Uh, was uh, those transferable skills we talk about and and, and do defensive uh, specific camps work for kids and what are the benefits?
1: Yeah I, I feel that you know just because it's a d specific camp, you know you're touching the puck all over the ice. Uh, so forwards can benefit just as much um, and understand some of the difficulties that the face let's just say on a retrieval and kind of understand their position a little bit more. So I think it, it would be beneficial for uh, all players to participate and kind of just be a student of the game and understand those reps and and handling the puck in those different areas, offensive zone, blue line, escapability in the neutral zone, and retrievals in the D zone. So, um, you know, there's, there's definitely benefits.
0: Yeah, I think uh, um, skating-wise, I think, you know, if you work on, you know, what, no matter what position you play, if you, you know, can focus on obviously a defensive camp. You're going to be focused on a lot of pivoting and backward skating and things like that. So the better skater you are, that's going to help you as a forward, right? That's going to help you um, no matter what position you are. So I think that's excellent. The other thing too, and we talk about this all the time is, you know, to have that perspective of, you know, a guy breathing down your neck uh, when you're going back for a puck and trying to make a play as a forward, if you can get to know that and, and, you know, learn how difficult it actually is, I think you can gain a further appreciation and understanding of the game. So I think... um, And also apply it to your game when you're on the forecheck. I don't know know
1: that it's difficult to to make those decisions under pressure.
0: Absolutely. So I think that's... um, it, it it's very important and I don't think, you know, obviously defensive players, I would encourage them to do stick handling camps and do shooting camps and different things like that. Uh, but I would also, you know, highly, highly suggest kids using forward centers, defensemen, no, no matter what position you play working on those defensive skills as well. But yeah, well, I think, uh, you know, now's a, a great time to bring it over to Grizzly. I think this is a great interview. Uh, we learned quite a bit about the his path throughout hockey. Obviously, his family history, which a lot of people don't know because he's such a, a quiet and personal guy. But obviously, his father was the you know director of player development and, and work with the Patriots. He was actually responsible for drafting Tom Brady for all you Patriots fans out there. Decent pick. Uh, yeah, yeah, that was solid. He was actually the only... Only front office personnel that contacted uh, Lloyd Carr, the coach of Michigan, about Tom Brady, which was uh, which was pretty cool. You know what I mean? So obviously just, uh, you know, he's got deep roots in the in the football world. And obviously his brother Chris was involved in scouting for years and uh, and is now, you know, I think he's in his second year as the general manager of the Miami Dolphins. And, um, you know, so great, great family genes, that's for sure. Uh, Fins up in the Greer household. Yeah,
1: exactly. Go Dolphins. Be sure to stick around after Mike Greer's interview. We have a few great voicemail uh, messages in the mailbag, as well as a few other emails. So stick around. We'll be uh, touching on some some hot topics,
0: and uh, it'll be uh, it'll be nice to chat about some of that. It's yeah, no, it's definitely the uh, the the voicemail's been uh, been going great. We've been trying to pick out a couple per episode and make sure uh, you guys remember that number three four seven six shrink. Uh, that's three four seven six shrink and, uh, and also, you know, we're available on Twitter and Instagram and you can send over some, uh, some qu- uh, questions and we do still have our, our email as well, the, the rink shrinks at hockeyjournal.com. So stay tuned and, and, uh, after the, uh, the, interview we'll uh we'll we'll have some fun with those yeah dip into the mailman
2: do you want to become a better hockey player this summer with paul vincent hockey since 1972 paul vincent currently the head skills instructor of the florida panthers has been developing nhl and college hockey players paul vincent stands by his saying there's always room for player development Players such as Patrick Kane, Jonathan Taves, Keith Yandel, Matt Grizzlick, Patrick Sharp, Adam Oates, and many more have trained with Coach Vincent and his staff and have outstanding results. Join Paul Vincent this summer at one of his four Massachusetts locations, Canton, Saugus, Middleton, and Falmouth on Cape Cod. Registration is now open for 2021 camps. To reserve your spot today, go to pvhockey.com or call 978-807-4070. That's pvhockey.com or call 978-807-4070. Paul Vincent is ready to get back to work this summer.
0: Are you? Now we are pleased to welcome to the Rink Shrinks Podcast, Mike Greer. Mike played 1,060 NHL games over a 14-year NHL career with the Oilers, Capitals, Sharks, and Buffalo Sabres. Mike is known as the first African-American player in the history of the NHL to be exclusively trained in the U.S. Interesting fact there. Uh, Mike was recently an, an assistant coach with the New Jersey Devils. Welcome to the show, Mike Greer.
1: Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, super excited to have you on, Greerzy. Uh, talk about your experiences, your your whole kind of career and, and your coaching career, and then also uh, your kind of take on the youth game. My uh, my first experience with Grazi was I was a 145, 150-pound freshman at their academy, and Back then, you're a little more physical. Uh, let's just say uh, a little pudgy, I, I mean, <laughs> but uh, yeah, you're carrying a little bit more. So he was about 250 plus pounds, so he could have easily broke both both my shoulders with one hit. But being the nice guy that he is, he he came in, you know, just separated the guy from the puck instead. So <laughs> I wanted to thank. I don't think I've ever thanked you for that. So <laughs> you, you prolonged my career from freshman year by uh, being a good guy, trying to chase you around out there.
0: Yeah. Could, have, could have been a quick end to the uh, concussion protocol for Mott's just uh, watching from the stands. If uh, if Grizzy really laid the hammer down on you, exactly. No, that was
1: uh, I was very appreciative, especially after I saw what you did at BU, which was absolutely demolish people and and put fear in defensemen going back for pucks. So it's uh, one of the best uh, transformations I've seen, and you know we're happy to have you on, Bud.
0: Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So Grizzy, I mean, just talk to us a little bit about like, how did you, obviously for those fans that don't know out there, obviously you come, um, you know, your father was involved in the NFL for years. He coached in college also as well. Brother was uh, involved in football and obviously he's now the the, the GM of the Miami Dolphins. But what, what, why did you choose the hockey route?
3: Well, once we moved here, I was like probably two and a half when we, when we moved um, to Hol- Holliston and um People just seem to be playing hockey and my, uh, Chris, my older brother, he's five years older. He decided to try it and he's kind of someone who I always looked up to and admired. So once he went to the rink, I figured I'd follow him there and I'd, I'd give it a try as well. So, um, that's where it started. I know, um, as my mom used to say that first, first couple of years, I was pretty bad, but you know, I think I just liked, I liked being out there, like the speed of the game and, and, uh, the physicality of it all. So I stuck with it and. You know, as it went on, um, it kind of became something that was my own. You know, we're we're a football family, and but I think for my dad, it was always nice for him to come home, or he would he would rush to come see my games and and meet up. I think it was a nice break for him um, to get away from the football field and and um, watch me play and talk hockey with me. So I, it just kind of became my thing, but. You know, just being in this area, hockey's so big that I just kind of fell into it and fell in love with it. But um, you know, it all started with kind of following my older brother to the rink.
1: Now, did you play any other sports growing up? Did you did you actually play football as well?
3: No, I never. I never played football. I played everything else. I played soccer, basketball, baseball, uh, ran track. So I mean, I I, I pretty much did everything. I, at one point. Um, I had thought about playing football once I got to Saint Seb's but I I fool, was fooling around after school um, dunking a basketball. And when I came down, I, I um, tore some meniscus in my knee, so that was kind of into that. But um, I never I never played it. My brother played Peewee from Peewee football on, but um, I don't know. I was just doing so many other things. I never really I never really got into it, and, and thought maybe I'd give it a try in high school.
0: Now, was that something that with, with your dad, did he, you know, you you, you hear a lot about, and obviously we, we want to talk hockey here, but did your father discourage you guys from playing uh, football at the younger age groups and tackles with injuries and things like that?
3: No, he didn't. I think it was kind of different times. You know, the science probably w- wasn't there that that is there now. Um, like I said, I think I remember going to my brother's, like, Kiwi football games. I don't even know what they call it now, but – um, so my brother probably played tackle football from I don't know, sixth or seventh grade right through college. Um, so my dad he never discouraged us not to play. I I think now when I talk to him now and and um, and my little guy my little guy Tristan as you know he likes he he doesn't mind mixing it up he. <laughs> he talks about playing football and but my dad is you know he's kind of just dis, discouraged him a little bit and uh, or discouraged it a little bit and just told him to stay with flag football till he's a little older.
0: Yeah, I know T uh he loves the flag football. He thinks he's like a uh, uh Vince Wilfork out there or or, or somebody uh what, what's his name? Uh jeez, I'm I'm drawing a mind blank on some, you know, uh stud defensive lineman just attacking the quarterback and he's he's not afraid of contact, that's for sure. Yeah, he's uh, he enjoys it. There's a
3: few uh, accidental, accidental, on purpose tackles, trying to get your flag, taking guys down.
0: Kyle Van Noy, with, with, uh, he's with he's taken after you with your brother's team. Yeah, a little versatility
1: on the kid, I, I like it. Little jam. but growing up, you uh, you're in Sports Illustrated as a defenseman, Grizzy. So, when did you uh, make that switch to forward?
3: Um, I, I pretty much played both probably off and on until, I don't know, right before high school, maybe the year before high school. Um, I mean, I played the majority of my time at forward. Um, but I, I would, some teams would need me to play D, so I would play D and, um, you know, even at times you go to some of these tournaments and, and there's so many, so many good players, they'd ask you to play D. So I'd go back and play D, but, um. I think I think in the end of the day it, it kind of helped me and you go from an offensive guy and as you as you uh, as your career goes on you get to college and you realize there's lots of talented guys so maybe you're not going to be the guy who who scores all the goals and then when you get to the pros it, it's even more so it narrows down more so I think the ability and uh, the experience I had playing defense all those years growing up kind of Helped me be able to transition from kind of a power play guy in in college to so when I got to the pro, you know, Prozo's was able to be a more of like a defensive third line penalty killing type guy, and I, I think it it really goes back to the coaches who who um you know let me play all all different positions growing up.
0: Oh, that's good stuff. And obviously you and I, we we're fortunate enough to coach together. You know, that's something that you you really stress as kids play in different positions and and being able to play not just say at, at nine years old, oh, I'm a right wing, you know, you have to have that versatility, you got to be able to play on on. You know, in all three zones, no matter what position you're playing. And it, it's, it's really, you know, we talk about it all the time with my brother was a, you know, at, at Mites was playing goalie and half the game, uh, you know, half the game in the net and half the game playing, playing offense, which is, you know, a lot of parents, I think these days get so set on certain posi- uh, positions. And, you know, it, it's something that, you know, we need to kind of relax and let things play out because, like you said, things can can change so much over the course of your career. Yeah, and we've talked about it
1: uh, quite a bit. But so crazy, like seeing it from both sides. Like as a forward, you don't like when a defenseman would just shovel their problems on onto you. So I try to put the the defenseman in forward positions at times, just so that they can understand. What the, the when they make a bad play or make a bad decision or just pass their problems on, it's making it more difficult for that forward. So, and vice versa, like if a forward sues a D, you know, and it has to understand how difficult it is going back for a puck, they can try to work to get into position a little bit more. So, you seeing it both ways uh, made you more of a valuable player, and that's something that we try to stress too. So, that's that's all good stuff, absolutely. I think that's that's important. You're seeing the game from both sides. Uh,
3: different different views different uh you know knowing what it takes to be successful at at different positions you know and like you said it's just little things you're a winger and you play d you realize that you know you need that winger there to make a breakout pass to you know if you're slow getting there and lazy and you just expect the d to make it beat a guy or get you the puck you know if you go back and play d you realize you know well there's no one there to pass it to what do you want me to do so i think um all those different ex, different experiences are really really uh, great at shaping and molding these players as they as they develop.
0: So, Grizzy, were you a um, you know a guy that obviously you said you played multiple sports? Were you a kid that played you know hockey in the summertime and things like that, or were you um, a year round type of guy, or, or did you play multiple sports and things like that?
3: No, I think it's whenever um, I just played whatever the season was. When hockey season was over, the bag pretty much went in the basement, and I went out and played. Played baseball, you know, um, and ran some track. And then, you know, when that was over, soccer, you know, when it was time to play soccer, it was time to play soccer. Um, I never did any of this stuff year-round or specialized early. I just think that it, it made me a, probably a better athlete and made me understand um, different team dynamics and things that are needed in, in different, uh, different environments. And um, just kind of things that you do, do in basketball or, or soccer or baseball, the hand-eye coordination and things like that. And you don't realize realize that they're actually helping you with your other sports, but they are, you know, your their, your quickness and, and uh, footwork and all that things and, and other sports, they all it all comes back to all the sports that all ties in together. So, um, yeah, I was just happy to be outside playing sports and whatever the season was, that was it. I didn't really start doing... Summer stuff until you know I probably got got around twelve or thirteen, and then I you know I do a couple tournaments in the summer, but even then I I kept I kept playing uh, baseball and, and soccer throughout.
1: So you went to th- uh to I'm sorry, uh, Thera Academies on my brain. <laughs> <laughs> Uh-oh. Uh oh. The, the TA tag is Saint Sebastian's a perennial powerhouse in the ISL back in the day. What was that experience like? How did you get there, and and how was your experience while you were there?
3: Uh, it was a great experience for me. Um, I know I got to credit my parents for me for it because uh, I didn't really want to go to be honest with you. Um, I was enjoying my friends, I had a close group of friends and, and, and playing hockey outside. So I was, ha- I was more than, I would have been more than happy just to play, play hockey at Hollison high. And, and, um, you know, if I did that, I would say most likely I wouldn't have ended up at, at BU. And who knows what, I, what would have happened from there. Um, So I, I give credit to my parents. They knew I, I needed a little bit of um a, a smaller classroom environment. I, I got, I got decent grades at um, at public school, but you're sometimes you're able to slide by in the big classroom. So, I I pretty much did the bit, ba- the bare minimum, just what I needed to do to get decent grades. So, um, my parents they they sent me to Sebs, and it turned out to be probably the best thing for me and, and one of the biggest uh, turning points of my of my life. I had a great experience there, school wise, um, community wise, hockey wise. We had we kind of i kind of entered at the right time where you know uh we we had really good teams all three years um all three years i played varsity there i didn't play varsity as a freshman played freshman hockey but the three years there i think we we won the league and um i made a lot of a lot of friends that i still i still keep in touch with now but it was a a, a great positive experience and um like i said i think it was um, probably one of the moments that kind of changed the trajectory
0: of my life. Was, the, was our Coach Didigian there back then, or was it a prior no. to him? Yeah, oh, he who, I think there, he was the high school I
3: had Danny Williams. Oh, okay. Who, uh, was a, a great guy, great guy. We all loved him. Um he's a history teacher there. Um, he really supported us, and, and to his credit, we had a lot of talent there. He just kind of let us play. Um he kind of got out of the way and just supported us and and let us play with freedom and uh we had a lot of fun doing it. So it was um like I said, it was it was a really good experience for me.
0: Oh that's great. That's great. And then you you know, you went from, from Saint Sebastian's and obviously made the decision to go to attend uh Boston University, talk to us about that decision and whether were, were there other schools involved?
3: Yeah, um I was it was really down to um Providence maine and bu but um you know fortunately for growing up for me my dad had always taken us tried to take us to the bean pot one of the bean pot mondays every year growing up so i grew up watching the bean pot wanting to play in the bean pot and you know in high school and middle school those those bu teams they were awesome you know you had you know tony and, Monty and Keith Kachuk and, and the Sacco brothers and Scott Young. And I mean, they were loaded and, and so exciting um, that I did, that was somewhere I always wanted to go. Um, so when they when they gave me the opportunity to attend, um, you know, I, I jumped at it because, you know, that that's a place where I always saw myself in a place where I always wanted to be.
1: So as far as B U B C it's a it's a big rivalry rivalry, I would say one of the best in college hockey. One thing that stood out to me when I was going through the recruiting process, I would go to the games and just watch players and watch teams. But one of the hardest hits I've ever seen live in, in person was you in the bean pot against Greg Callahan. Uh could you tell us about it? Um, you know, I know there was a little rivalry there on on some level and uh, he's a big body for people that don't know. He's about 6'3", and Grizzly are about 6'2", 6'3", and it's just one of the, the hardest hits at full speed that I've ever seen, and it must have felt good. Did you, in one of those hits where you didn't even feel it? Yeah,
3: <laughs> it, it actually exactly. You don't just kind of go through the guy, and with Greg and I, it actually went back to St. Seb's. He was at Belmont Hill, and that was that was kind of our, fair and Belmont Hill were the two, our kind of two main rivals where the games were always really intense and physical, so it went back. Went back a few years, and um, you know, it's just one of those moments where everything lined up perfectly. You know, he kind of stepped out behind the net, and I guess, I, I guess he was kind of surveying his options. And uh, you know, I, he didn't see me coming, so it was just kind of something where it all lined up. You have the rivalry, you got the bean pot, and everything, so you're all you're all jacked up, and it was just uh, just one of those things where it, it was kind of
1: all.
0: Perfect. I think if I ever got hit like that in my life, I think I'd probably be, you'd be taking me off in a stretcher. That's for sure.
1: Yeah. A little bit of a yard sale there too. <laughs> <is what people. laughs>
0: the old, the old Boston garden crowd must've been fun to play into. Obviously the bean pod, it's a little smaller bond than what, what these kids nowadays are used to seeing, but it was a pretty cool pretty cool place to you know i remember going to bean pot there as a kid it was it was pretty exciting and the fans being right on top of you it must have been helped amplify the moment that's for sure oh
3: absolutely the student sections i mean the kids now don't get it because they're in the nice nice new um, garden and they're up in the so far back up in the in the um in the bleachers there but at the old garden they're they're right on top of you you know if if you're in one of the locker rooms you actually have to walk out kind of through the crowd to get out on the, onto the ice so it, it was definitely um a great place to play you know you, you, for me growing up watching you know the Bruins and cam Neely and all those guys and Ray bork play in the play in the garden and to get it, to actually go on the same ice so then when you're out there in a bean pot and a rivalry game and it's sold out um you know it's it, it makes things pretty intense but it's actually but at the same time it's it's something that I'll always remember it and a memory I'll cherish.
1: That 95 national championship, where was that? In Providence? Yeah. Crystal Sullivan was playing forward. Were you on that line with uh, Thornton as well?
3: Yeah. Yeah. So, those were two, my two lineys.
1: Yeah. I went to like pretty much every BU game and then I went down to Providence. And you're talking about the old garden, but um, as far as Walter Brown Arena, that low ceiling, the band cranking, it was a pretty tight building as well. But just soft chips, cross corners, dump ins, the crowd would just feel like the, you could feel the energy from the crowd as Grazi's going in on the forecheck. And I mean, I'm telling you, these D men are hearing footsteps plus. So.
0: Sasquatch is up there taking off his <laughs> shirt. Was, he's I'm, like he's uh, waving around going, But um, but um, there comes Grazi flying yeah. in.
1: It was unbelievable like that uh the intimidation. I mean you didn't even have to finish check sometimes, but when you did it was it was pretty impressive. How so how was your it, that experience and winning the national championship at BU? Yeah,
3: well that um I mean first plane in Walter Brown was amazing. Like you said, it was an intimidating environment completely different than what it was it is today. Um you know the the students piled in there. I mean there's only I think thirty seven hundred so they piled in the low ceiling like you said. So um, it was great. It was a really great, great atmosphere. I'd put it up there with anything and, and Coach Parker knew it too. So at those home games, he pretty much said the first five minutes of the game, go try and run them out of the building. And that's, that's what we try to do. But the championship game, you know, that's, that, that's another big, big moment. I, I think it meant more to us all because the year before, I think we were probably, we, we were on like a winning streak of like maybe 12 or 13 in a row we beat we beat Minnesota in Minnesota in the semifinals of the final four and we were feeling pretty good. And then Lake state blasted us in the finals. I think like eight to one. Um, so we were all pretty humbled by that. And I think as a group, we all felt that there was unfinished business. So um, the year felt special from the beginning, from the, that summer on, we trained, I think everyone trained a little bit harder, um, you know, you didn't really have to say much to motivate us. I think we were all just had a single goal. So to actually go through and accomplish that and it being in Providence was, was even better because I think, you know, everyone's family was there. A lot of our friends were there. So it was a pretty, pretty special moment. And, um, you know, it's a, it was a great group of guys. We had a, a great team, but guys, you know, we had guys who sacrificed like Jake Pandolfo, you know, great NHL player, He played on the third line, Chris Drury, the same thing, fourth line. These guys, they didn't, they didn't complain that season. They just, everyone just kind of pulled on the rope the same way and accepted their role and and just wanted to get the championship. And, um, you know, we all did it.
0: Oh, that's awesome. I remember uh, obviously watching those games and the talent that you guys had, obviously those, those three, the years that you were at BU and they got obviously Sean Bates and, and, you know, on defense, John Coleman and, Chris Kelleher and those guys like those are great great players that I looked up to and obviously Chris O'Sullivan and yourself and Chris Drury There was just such a talented and fun group to go watch and i remember that like you said at walter brown the old section eight uh that that mm-hmm. crowd was uh that student section was second to none and and you know when i was i i think at aganis opened probably i think it was like the middle of my junior year and it was there was always something missing you know what i mean because those fans especially being a boston kid and i had buddies that were on bu and the fans in in, in section A used to torture me. It was it was <laughs> it was great. I loved it though. But that motivated you, especially you like coming into Boston and you coming, you know, me playing at UNH and you'd go down and. Those games, like there was nothing better, you know what I mean. And and you know, as long as your parents weren't, or oh, <laughs> my uncle from Charlestown in a fist fight in the stands, it was a successful night, you know.
1: Yeah, it was the only place they served beer in the entire. World. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs>
2: exactly.
1: You, know? yeah. you can't forget about Kyleena Steady Eddie back there. Too. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, the silent fin. Yeah, uh, I actually coach his son, his uh, son Alec. So, oh but, yeah, he, he was always doing his job, getting the puck you know to the, the right guys and he was he was actually a good defender too
3: yeah he was really good him and Richie Brennan one of those guys oh yeah Richie yeah. 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 but they were as college players they were excellent
0: yeah yeah no that's awesome and then you you know you made your transition after after winning the bean pot and winning the national championship you, you you know you you jumped right into the NHL and and you know a Kind of a crazy stat. Obviously, you played over a thousand games in the NHL, and you never you never spent any time in the AHL, which is, you know. Pretty wild, um, you know. Most guys, especially back then, a lot of guys had to go and pay their dues. It felt like right, right. when you were breaking into the league, and you know you were able to make that transition into in becoming an NHL regular with Edmonton. Talk to us about that.
3: Yeah, it was. Um, I mean, <laughs> it's funny how, how life how life goes. I I was actually drafted by St. Louis, um, and after my sophomore year, um, Mike Keenan kind of, he flew out to meet me at one of the USA Hockey festivals asked me if I wanted to sign. I said, I wanted to go back to school. Um, he said, great, you know, gave me the whole spiel. We love you. Good decision. We, we respect it and all that. And then he created me two weeks later. <laughs> so, uh, take that Mike. <laughs> yeah. So, but it just the way life works, like it was for my career, it was the best thing that could have happened to me. I, I went to Edmonton. It was a young team that was rebuilding. They had, you know, the Gretzky Messier era was kind of over. They'd been in a little bit of uh, stuck stuck in neutral for a while, so they decided they were going to, you know, bring in a bunch of young guys. I think there was maybe seven rookies, six or seven rookies. My my first year, um, and they just kind of threw us in the deep end and and could see if we could swim. So um, it just happened to work out that way. If like if I had if i went to st louis they were a veteran a veteran team i'm i'm sure i would have i would have had to spend a, a year or two in the in the minors and you never know what happens then so um you know sometimes things happen to you that you're kind of upset with when they first happen you know who wants to, who wants to go to edmonton right when you're you're <laughs> a 20 year old kid you and uh you you always want to kind of pay back the team that drafted you so i'd always wanted to play for st louis but that disappointment actually turned into, um, you know, something that was kind of a, a blessing.
1: That's great. Danny Lack was working out with us for <laughs> another VU guy. I think he he bought like a big excursion or something like that. You know, it was like the <laughs> but big, big, bigger. Bigger than like an expedition.
0: Yeah. Oh, I remember those. Right? Yeah. What right,
1: yeah. right. right up in like training camp? The boys are just getting a hard time. Telling you know, hey coach, we don't need to. We don't need a bus. We're just going to hop in. Last. <laughs> he goes out oh, and gets a two two seater stick shift. Doesn't even know how to drive sticks. Yeah. Like, he's, he was a classic individual. Oh yeah, he was a beauty. He was a beauty. Yeah. yeah, but everyone who played up in Edmonton has has had great experiences and lo- and loved it. Um, you know the guys, the camaraderie, the heritage of, of past players being around, and um, you had a couple good teams. There. You made a little push in the playoffs that one year what was that like ninety eight maybe you went to the second round. I'm yeah,
3: we went to the second round a couple times, but yeah, we're always kind of the un a little bit of the underdog. But like you said, like you said, I, I loved it there. Um great people, great place to play. Um, You kind of, you kind of luck out and um, have like Gretzky and Kevin Lowe and uh, Yari Curry and Glenn Anderson, all these guys that kind of just kind of ghost in and out of the locker room and stop fire practices and and stuff like that. And you see some of the retirement ceremonies for, for these guys. And it's, um, It was pretty, pretty cool to play, especially as a a kid of the 80s growing up watching, you know, watching Gretzky and those 80s Oilers play. So it was actually it was it was a pretty cool place. And, um, you know, a lot of those guys, we have a pretty good bond because we just we basically just hung out, hung out together 24 seven. So it was a great experience.
0: Who were some of those veteran guys kind of like, you know, you look at the rosters and you see guys like Dougie Waite and Billy Guerin and those guys. Uh, who were those guys that kind of took you under your wing and taught you how to, how to be a pro?
3: Yeah, we had a good, a really good group, Mike. Um, Kelly Buckberger was really, really good to me. Um, you know, he was the captain there and, and he'd been on those championship winning Oilers teams. So he, he really was good to me, taught me a lot. Dougie, Dougie Waite was a a massive influence, Um, you know, being the best player by far on our team. But to see how he carried himself, how he worked every day, um, showed up every day, played hurt, all these things. So um, I learned a lot. I learned a lot from those those two. And and then when Billy Guerin got traded, it, it was traded there. It was a kind of a big moment for me as well, because he was someone. Who played a who played a similar game to me, or, or what I hoped would be a similar game? He was he obviously was more offensive, but he was kind of a big, strong winger um, who played physical and kind of had one championship in, in New Jersey. So I kind of took to him, and he helped me out. And um, you know, to this day, I think um, you know Billy and Billy and Dougie still we still keep in touch, and those guys are you know I'm forever grateful for the t- time they took to kind of Help me find my way through.
0: Yeah. You hear some funny stories about those guys having a great relationship too. And you can tell they were, uh, you know, you can see their, their career paths now too. They've obviously, you know, taken on the management roles and coaching roles and, and, you know, ultimate professionals. That's for sure.
3: Yeah. Great guys. Great guys. And they played, they played hard and there are some funny stories about them. You know, they, they, uh they had a good time from time to time too, but um, you know, <laughs> when it was time they, to play they showed up the next day yeah absolutely they were ready to go when uh when the game was on the line they were there so um you know it was they were great great to learn from them
1: hey grizzy can you talk to us a little bit about um some of the keys to your longevity i know that um you really kind of got put on a great path with mike boyle at bu and um you know off ice training really took to that um but to play, you know, a thousand sixty games in the league and have limited limited time missed, um, can you just talk to us a little bit about some of your preparation, off season, in season, and kind of what it, uh, how that led to, you know, that longevity?
3: Yeah, I think um, it was just kind of the seed had always been planted in there. Some of it from my dad and from being around the Patriots and and hearing his stories of, you know, guys taking care of themselves and the guys that didn't take care of themselves. Um, so that was kind of an early seed that was planted in my, in my head. Um, but Mike Boyle really helped me. I, you know, I'd gotten by it at St. Seb's of just being strong, stronger than most guys and being able to get to where I wanted to go um, just because I was, I was stronger or bigger. Um, so Mike helped to kind of lean me out a little bit and coach Parker as well, kind of gave me confidence that I could, you know, to use my speed and my skating more than I more than I had um, had to in high school. So he gave me a lot of confidence. So um, you know, I was kind of religiously listened to Mike from you know college all the way through through my pro career. Um, you know, as you go, you kind of figure out how important diet is, um, and even each step you 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 got to make a an adjustment. So you know, like you said, I was. I was I was a little bit bigger at St. Seb.
1: <laughs> You're a little short for your weight. Yeah. <laughs> you should have been like <laughs> seventy two. More at six
3: two. <laughs> yeah. So I had to I had to lean out to play at BU and and Mike helped me do that. But even more so to go to make the jump from college to pro, I had to I had to continue. So um, you know, I played most of college probably at like around like two thirty-five. And I I played pro between anywhere from 220 to 224 in there, so you had to keep making uh, following the diet and and taking care of my body. And then um, I just I realized I, didn't, I don't I don't drink or anything like that. I know some of that stuff kind of can take it take a toll on your body. Um, so I just kind of tried to watch what I what I ate, what I drank, I tried to drink and stay hydrated. And then, you know, I took time to stretch and ride the bike before or after practice, to make sure I, you know, I was loose. I was loosened up and after, you know, after games, a little spin and stretch just to make sure I got the lactic acid out and, and was feeling good going home. So it was just kind of, I guess, a little bit of a mindset. You, as As you play, you try and tell guys it's your, it's your job. You know, you could be sitting in an office from nine to five. But if you go to the rink for a few hours a day, it's not, it's not hard to take care of yourself and do the right thing. So you can, you can, uh, you can play as long as you can or give yourself the best chance to have success.
0: I can speak to that too. As, you know, as a young kid, I was coming out of college and going to pro and, and uh, myself and wit and a few guys, uh, you know, we started working out with Mike Boyle and, and with Crazy and Jay Pandolfo and, and, To see the work ethic of those guys who, you know, at that time, Jay and and Greasy in particular and Hal Gill, I mean, those guys have been in the league for probably 10 plus years at the time. And they were the guys that, you know, they were the first ones there working out, you know, getting getting, you know, a stretch in or rolling out and doing things like that. And then, you know, after the workout, getting an extra bike ride in and, and, you know, really it taught you know, me as a young kid to see these, you know, veteran guys like, like, like um, to see the work ethic that, that it took to, to, to play and, and just, you know, and can, to continue to play was uh, was you know was amazing and you know I can speak you know character wise that those guys they talked to a scrub like me like I was you know like I was one of them and they took they were great guys and they welcomed us with open arms and just showed us you know it was like hey jump in the mix and and work out with us and obviously Mike Boyle had a great program and it was you know it was a real treat for me to to work out with those guys for a couple of years. Yeah. Jay Pandoff, I
1: was teammates with and and Grizzly never, I never played with you, but consummate pros, you know, always being prepared, getting in a routine, being, being able to duplicate that routine is what's important. So like some of the stuff you just talked about is just that little spin after practice, that lactic acid out stretch. And then, be prepared to be able to continue to, to to work throughout the season. It's like maintaining your maintenance, right? So yeah. Yeah. that's
3: you uh, still
0: got the cheat days going on Sundays, though, Grizzy. Uh, a little football, there might be a little
3: <laughs> pizza, little pizza going on there. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. A> little <laughs> chips and dip going. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Cannot too many of them like these days. So I'm not. not burning the calories.
2: <laughs> but that's right. great. It's great advice. Not
3: feeling
0: penalties anymore. Yeah.
1: You know, so great advice, Crazy. As far as like just maintaining that that kind of routine and and getting involved, and you and Jay are, are, are prime examples of how it can work and and how you, when you're prepared, you can you can stretch your your careers and and still be productive. But, um, you know, later on in your career as well.
3: Yeah, thanks. It was. I think you uh, you you try to tell young young guys coming up that you don't want to give you don't want to ever give the team a, a reason to. To cut you or not play you or whatever it may be so um you know and those if you don't come to camp in the best shape possible if you don't take care of yourself or you're injured you know those are you're just given given the team reasons to to maybe move on from you so give yourself the best chance of to have success and 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 just be in the best shape and and, and ready to go as best to your ability
0: one of the things, Grazi, you, you, you said it quickly is you never, you know, you've never drank alcohol and things like that. But one story I always heard about you, you were always, you know, out with the guys and, and things like that. And, you, you know, you were obviously proud to always be, you know, part of the team and around the players and things like that. And I think, you know, you, you, you set your example of, hey, I'm not going to be the guy that's drinking and stuff, but I'm still going to be one of the guys, you know?
3: Yeah, I, I mean, I I, I loved it. it. For me, it was, there just wasn't a lot of alcohol around my house growing up. And then, Going back to my dad, I saw numerous Patriots guys get into trouble and have their careers blown up or or, or injuries or whatever, or get themselves in trouble with the law from, from drinking and, and other things. So I, I just decided I wasn't going to go down that path. But I still love to, to be out and be with my teammates and have a good time and you know laugh and hear the stories. I don't want to, I don't even want to be the guy who had to hear the story secondhand. I wanted to, I wanted to witness the nonsense. first. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I, I enjoyed it. I, I really, I think that's, that's part of the experience. That's part of kind of what makes sports so special is you got a you got a close group of teammates and friends that you can go out to dinner with. You can, you know, go out to the, the club or the bar, whatever it may be and, and hang out and, and have a good time because you guys have the shared experience. That other people don't really know what you're going through. So um when it's all said and done, those are those are the times you miss the hanging out and, and being out with being out with the boys.
1: That's the one thing that you know gets ripped away from you when you're done playing and you know it's tough to replace, but you know, just being a part of a group and kind of similar interests, obviously, and and being around and, and that camaraderie is is very uh much missed on all levels. That's why I like the men's league. Can replace it a little bit, but in these in these COVID times, the locker rooms aren't even available. So yeah, I've, just, I've been skid, get the drag out, yeah. <laughs> Last guy back, <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. Grizzy, talk to us about you know your other your, your your path. You you know you had career stops in in you know Washington and San Jose and Buffalo. Uh, talk to us about those.
3: Yeah, so uh, from Edmonton, I got I got traded to to Washington, which you know that was actually a pretty a pretty tough day. I'd been, I think, six years in Edmonton, and we we had a really close group. So that that was kind of a tough a tough day. But went to Washington, and we had it. We had actually um, Bruce Cassidy was actually the coach there. Um, but we had a really good team there. Um, I got to play with the Army Yager, who was obviously an all time great. Um, and you know Jeff Hal- Jeff Alpern, we played on the line together for for pretty much the whole time I was there, and he's to this day, he's one of my good friends still. So, um, a lot came out of it. I enjoyed my time there. My, um, Jaden, my oldest son was, he was born there. So we'll always have some, um, some fond memories of there. But, um, the second year there, it kind of all blew up and they traded everyone and I got traded at the deadline. So, um, you know, that was the second year. There was probably the hardest year of, uh, of my career, I, I don't. I'd never been through a year where we were just where, where everyone was gone and we were pretty much losing every night. Um, but it was a good place to live. I really enjoyed living there. Um, had made some good friends. Um, but from there, I went to Buffalo, and that and that. Uh, I really, really, really enjoyed Buffalo. Great place to live. Great people. Great fans. It's a sports town. I'm Sure, you guys kind of see a little bit with the Bills becoming a football. Um, having some success this year in the bills mafia and all that stuff, but it's a good sports town, um, hardworking. And, um, you know, Chris Drury was there. I think he was probably partly by, behind, um, them trading for me. So I had a really good time there. We had a really good team and I think it was Oh six. Um, I think we, we probably had a chance to win the Stanley cup. We lost in game seven to Carolina. Um, in the conference finals and they went on to beat Edmonton in the finals, but we were down our, our top four, our top four D and we're out for that. The last half of that series and Tim Conley was out. So that's like the one, one regret. You always, you play to win kind of win the Stanley cup. And I think that year in Buffalo was kind of a magical year for our team. And we, we had a chance to do it. And then, um, injuries kind of, kind of derailed it. Um, and from there I, I I would have liked to actually stayed in, in in Buffalo, but all these we had like all our like JP Dumont, J McKee, um we had a bunch of guys who were who were free agents. Chris Jury and Danny Breer were gonna be free agents the following year. Um and I don't think the they don't have the same owners they have now. So I don't think, I, I don't think they were going to be able to resign everyone. and, And pretty much everyone started to go their own way. And as you saw, Drew, Drew went to the Rangers, Danny went to the flyers, JP was in Nashville. So the whole thing kind of blew up. So, um, I went to San Jose as a free agent and I enjoyed it. We had three years there. Um, great place to live it's a little different um, I'm sure Keith could tell you like you're playing hockey and it you leave the practice rink it doesn't feel like you're it's hockey season but it's um
0: those it a really leaving in flip-flops is never a bad thing though no no especially I- the foot of snow in uh, Buffalo and Edmonton you yeah <laughs> sideways rain <laughs>
3: yeah
0: it was good no but I I enjoyed it. I got to play
3: with you know um, some really, really, truly great players, Joe Thornton, Patrick Marlowe, Joe Pavelski, Rob Blake, um, Jeremy Roenick. So we had really good teams there. We probably overachieved when I'm looking back at it. We won the president's trophy one year, but I don't, we never got out of the second round for whatever, whatever reason. Um, um, and then I went from there. Um, my knee was kind of getting wonky by then. And, uh, Went back and finished up in, in Buffalo with um, two more years that were that I enjoyed. So it was uh, it was a long ride, but you know made a lot of made a lot of really good friends and met a lot of good people and went to cities and countries and places I would have never ever gone to before. So uh, and a lot of these a lot of guys I played with are still close friends to till this day. So it's um, it was a great great ride, and I'm, I'm very fortunate.
1: Oh, that's great stuff. Yeah, you had a great, great career. And like, as you referenced earlier, you know, being an offensive player in, in college and growing up and kind of adjusting your mindset a little bit to becoming a defensive, more of a defensive role player. It speaks volumes of your character, number one, and in that adaptability that's so important for a team, for a player to fit into a team. And also, like you just keep getting jobs that way that, you know, you're a team player, you can you know, be productive in the uh, scoring areas as well as be responsible defensively. And, you know, as we talk to kids now, you know, it's being a complete player, you know, so you've run the gamut on being a skilled, you know, power forward scoring relied on heavily to, for offense. And then you also have played uh shutdown roles uh, at the highest level. So it's pretty cool. You have a lot to give uh, to the kids out there and, I know that you guys coach, and so as far as uh, that some of the philosophies and some of those kind of, um, you know, stress points that that you guys talk to as, as a group and as uh, and to your group, what are some of the key points that, that you kind of like to hone in on and, and kind of present to the kids?
3: Well, Brian, I mean, Brian does a good job. He, he sets the tone with the group of, you know, hard work, team first, Um type attitude for the group. And I think that's, I think that's really important. I think. Um, and
0: then I just have grazy. I'm like, just push the pucks around. You know what I mean? What do you know about the game? You only, you only got a thousand games on your best belt. I played like 20 in the East coast league. Uh, yeah. But it, I mean, I think
3: for these kids, it's, it's to tell them the importance of being a good teammate. Like you said, that goes a long way. If you can be a good teammate, um and the fact that if you're not a, you know if you don't play a full complete game if we've all seen plenty of players that are super talented who don't make it because they're selfish they don't want to listen they don't want to play defense they just want to do things their way so for the kids they need to listen they need to be coachable and they need to pay attention to all aspects of the game all three zones so if they can be a be a good teammate in a in a real hard work and a competitive kid, um, that goes along, that goes a long way. I think when people ask me, what do I want, want most in a player I want, I want a competitive, I want a competitive kid that's um, a working, competitive kid who's smart. Those are the things that, that top the list. So if you can start kind of getting this, getting these kids on the, on that path. And, um, and enjoying and growing, helping them love the game. I think we're we're on the right path with them.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think obviously for me, it's a it's a it's a treat, especially um, you know to have Mike more and more involved this year. Obviously, with you know he he was coaching in New Jersey last year, um, and to have him around just to be able to bounce things off of, you know what I mean, and just to have a guy that you know he's so um, educated in the game and was such a, such a smart player. So you know, I know for me personally, it's you know. I'm not one of those guys that when I coach, like I'm still trying to learn every day because I don't know, you know what I mean? And, and, and so to be able to bounce things off each other, um, and ask questions and Hey, what do you think about this? And, you know, we, at, at, you know, for the most part, you know, we'd like to, you know, stress the kids to play, you know, a a good competitive game and get the kids to be unselfish and move the puck. And, you know, one thing we don't encourages like you know get the red line and dump the puck in and things like that it's it's you know possess the puck and make plays and we want the puck on our sticks you know what i mean there's obviously there's you know there's crucial areas of the ice where yes yeah, sometimes the right play is to chip the puck out but for the most part, you know we want to we want to have that puck on our stick as much as we can, and um, I think that's one of the hardest thing too is is coaching nine year olds is you have um, you know some kids that are very talented too, and you know they go end to end and they take the puck and they score a goal, and it's you know you try to stress those teaching moments like hey I know you scored and we're happy for you, but you did have, you know, little Johnny up open up the ice and the right play. And as you move up the ladder, the right play is to headman that puck and then join the rush. And, you know, we're not going to discourage our, our defensemen from, from joining the play, you know, so give it and you'll get it back. You know what I mean? Jump up in the rush because as, as you climb the ranks, those plays aren't going to be there. To, but to have a guy like Mike, you know, also supporting me and, and, and things like that. And, 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 stressing the same things. It just, it's so valuable for, for the group of kids that, that, that we're coaching. That's for sure.
3: Brian does it. I mean, when I was, I didn't know how much I would be around. So I wanted to make sure, you know, my son was going to go to a good coach. So I think that's, that's the main criteria that people should be looking for for the kids is a good coach. And Brian does a great job with them. Um, and uh, it's a massive problem around here. I, I, have, I have an 3 so I kind of went through the whole the whole run through U-4 teams with those guys. It's, from a young age, you had teams playing the trap, kids dumping it in, being encouraged to dump the puck in, being told to ice the puck just because they were under pressure. I just think it's – I think it's – frankly, it's, it's ridiculous. These kids are young, and the game is the best teacher. Like, as we all know, if you – if you make a mistake the game's going to tell you you made a mistake um, but you have to be allowed you have to be allowed to to make that mistake and and try and, and play the right way and have the courage to hold on to the puck and be creative and and make a play but there's far too many people especially around here who have kids playing systems and power play and penalty killing units and shorting the bench at a, at an early age it's uh, it's a problem around here
0: yeah, I was gonna actually. I, I was gonna touch on that because I know you've you, you've been through it already with with Jaden, and he's now a, a junior at Saint Sebastian's, and is a you know a, a great you know young prep school player. And but what do you think is kind of the biggest problems you see in the youth hockey youth hockey world? Is it you know kids playing year round, kids playing for all these different. Summer tournament travel teams and things like that, or, or what do you what do you see? What's your take on it?
3: I mean, I think it's a little bit of everything, but it's it's a runaway train around here. I think there's two. It's the early specialization is is too much around here. Like that, like the kids are playing year round. Um, they're on the ice four or five times a week for throughout the year. So eventually, their hips and they're going to have hip problems, growing problems, knee problems. They're gonna they're gonna run into this. and not to mention that. That they might lose the love of the game because they're not getting a break. Um, and then on the ice, side, I think it's just there's too much emphasis on winning. It's all about it's all about winning around here. So when you care about winning and you're a coach and you're coaching ten and eleven year olds, then the best way to control winning is to put structure in. And you just see too many of these, too many coaches putting structure in, into their game. It's whether you're like you're talking about one-two-two-four checks, um, power play setups, like we said, dumping the puck, dumping the puck, and discouraging creativity. Like any, any kid can go down. You can have can skate the whole length of the rink and, and take a shot on the net, and you hear everyone yelling, shoot it, shoot it. Like, it's, it's crazy. But if you want to win games, yeah, if, you're going to try and shoot from everywhere, and maybe one will go in. But if you have – the kid's best interest at heart and, and believe in player development, then you know what, a kid might try and make a play. It might not work. They might go down the other end and score and you lose the game. So, but I tell you the kids, the kid, by the time the kid gets home, he's the team has probably forgotten about it, you know? So it's not, it's not the end of the world where a lot of the coaches and some parents think that a, a lost game at the squirt or peewee level is the end of the world. Believing the kid's, Couple hours later, the kids kids have have long forgotten about it. They're not they're not going to remember that they won they won a game when they were twelve years old. Once they're they're in their twenties, so it's uh it's a little overblown the 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 winning aspect of things around here.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that's something like you said that you have to encourage that creativity. And and we, me and you, coaching together, it's you know we encourage the kids and and to make plays. And if you turn the puck over, like it is what it is and we might say hey you could have tried this differently or different things like that but you know you it's very frustrating as a coach to see other guys yanking kids off the ice and and screaming at kids for trying to make a play like that's you know we're here to to make hockey plays and and you know if you just teach these kids to, to be robotic from the time they're nine years old till forever then they're gonna lose that passion and love for the game and it's it's no way to develop that's for sure.
3: I think absolutely, I think all three of us i don't think you were i don't think I was ever told to to dump a puck in my whole my whole youth hockey hockey career um I think all of us had had that type of freedom um and i think I think it goes it really goes a long way to your to your development and that should be first first and foremost I think when you try and discourage the kids from that type of stuff it it's just gonna come back to bite you in the end,
1: yeah, I remember. One of my coaches always saying to, you know, bring the puck back, bring the puck back. And and as, you know, you look back and you understand you get a lot of reps doing that, you can control a game, and then, you know, it allows forwards to gain speed in the neutral zone, and then you transition at certain times. And, you know, I think that was a really big part of my development for being able to move the puck and, and have confidence with it. Last guy back, still trying to make a play because it's very, uh, you know, it's not sully toe drag, but it was it was pretty close. Just <laughs> close move, move the fucking jump by the guy. Yeah, no, you're. I think you're right. I think it's easy to to say, but uh, for coaches coaches. It's tough to do and execute and have that patience when you're not getting results and parents are kind of breathing down your neck. But the we talk about it all the time. The ultimate goal is it's the development of the kids and it's a long term process. You know, I was living it with uh, my son's breakers team. We didn't have the best uh, statistical result results but a lot of the kids have have turned into very good hockey players and understand the game a little bit more Um, we were in our defensive zone a lot so (laughs) (laughs) they do they do understand some positioning but that is something that like I always think about you know it is easy to say that you know allow a kid to play other sports but when they miss you you know you're upset if it's you know in that fall season or whatever it is you know it's one of those things that you kind of pre- want to practice what you preach and what you guys are saying is spot on in my opinion and and try and stick into your guns and allowing kids to be creative and make mistakes you know within some framework you know whether it be you know you just want to be able to go short support or whatever it is but ultimately it, it's it's fun to be able to see the kids develop over the course of some time and you've been through that with your older guy Mike right so yeah yeah no it's
3: and and it is you do like you said patience. Patience is the word because it's easy. We're all competitive guys. We didn't we didn't play play at the level we played at because for not being competitive. So you do want to win, but at the same time, you have to have that patience and realize that it's it's a marathon, not a sprint. And uh, like I said, losing l- losing a game is not the end of the world. And like I, and I, I do understand that some you know maybe some some coaches don't have uh, you know they're they're feeling the pressure from parents or whatever it may be and not getting results. But, you know, if they can step back and and take a deep breath and, and trust, trust in what they're doing, if they're teaching the game the right way, that that's the main thing. And uh, like you said, it's all about development. And I think when you look, look at the numbers of mass kids that are, that are making it to the NHL and stuff, the numbers, the numbers go down every, every few years, the numbers are going down. And I, and I think a lot of it is because that it's, it's so structured now, and 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 in such a win, in a, such a win win mentality, around here that it's uh, it's actually hurt the the player development.
0: Yeah, yeah, no. Speaking of, um, you know, player development and kind of your post career. Obviously, you got into you know scouting a bit. Um, Mots you and Mots actually shared kind of a scouting job with 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 uh, Chicago. And uh, and obviously you were also coaching at St. Sebastian's for the short term. And then, you know, you moved on and were coaching in in Jersey. Now, why did you you know what made you kind of choose the coaching path where your, your your father was obviously in management and scouting role and all that type of stuff? And obviously your brother. Um, with the Dolphins was was the head of uh, I think college scouting for years and then obviously now has become uh, the general manager of the Dolphins so it's you know you you've kind of chosen that that more of that coaching role what what interests you the most about that
3: um I think I enjoy being on the ice and like you know kind of giving back and the, some of the things you've learned and and um uh, doing that stuff and and it's pretty gratifying to, to work with the kid and then see them kind of make a jump or make a make a leap and and maybe achieve something that they've been striving for, whether that's make a high school team or, or whatever, whatever it may be. It, it's pretty gratifying. Um, but basically, it's just giving back, being on the ice and giving back and and um, get kind of teaching teaching the kids and some of the little some of the little nuggets and things that I've that were passed on to me. From the older guys that I played with, so it's just passing it on. I think um, I, I enjoyed it. I, I, I could see myself actually at some point moving into trying to move into the management side of things. But you know, as as it is right now, I, I enjoy being on the ice and, and uh, being around being around kids—not only kids, but but the older players too. And like I said, it's it's gratifying to, to see kids improve and get better.
1: So, yeah, you were able to work with some high school kids that very impressionable. And then in the NHL level, um, over the course of your 14 years, I'm sure you had some good coaches, some some mediocre coaches. Well, what type of philosophies, uh, not so much philosophies, but what approach did you take? Um, You know, were you kind of like the hands on kind of work with guys individually, Uh, more of a like a broad stroke guy with film? What was kind of like your role and? In kind of uh, helping out on the staff,
3: um, I think my my main thing was kind of being hands on with the players and sharing sharing my my viewpoint and my experiences with them, and going over film and then taking them out, out in the ice and trying to see if I can help them translate what we watched on the film or what what may be lacking in their game. So I think it was kind of it was kind of a more of a personal relationship type thing. I I tried to build with, with all the players. Um, I think players are, it's, it's different than, you know, when we were playing 10, 15 years ago, it's, I don't think they respond as as much to yelling and screaming and, and, and being super hard on them. Um, So you have to be ready to give them an answer. Why, why you're telling them this, why you're showing them this. So, that's what I I enjoyed, you know. Watch little video with them, but then be hands on with them and try and help them kind of craft their game and, and build their build their game and and uh, kind of expand on their strengths and then help build their weaknesses. So um, you know, I was kind of a more of a hands on guy.
0: How was it working with a young kid, you know, a number one overall pick and Jack Hughes last year? It was it was great. Jack's
3: a, Jack's a good kid, and I you know Heinzie kind of let me. Um, spend a lot of time with him. So um, he's Jack's sponge. Um, You know, it's difficult for anyone to go in the league at at 18 and and have it have a real big impact, but he's a sponge and he was very open to criticism. He sees the game differently than most people. Um, You know, he thinks he's got the self belief that he can make a play out of anything. And sometimes that made it hard on himself as he's figuring out the league. But I think he'll be fine. He's just got to he's got to physically mature a little bit. But um, to his credit, as an 18 year old kid, he always wanted the puck. He always wanted to be on the ice when the game was on the line. And he wants to be the best player in the league. And I think he believes he can be the best player in the league. So it was it was great to be around him and to 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 work with someone who who thinks that way. Um, and it was, you know, it was kind of an honor for me. I, I, I enjoyed it. I never, obviously never had that kind of skill set or thought that way. So it was, it was, I learned a lot from him and, you know, I kind of tried to help him with some of the finer points of the game, some of the defensive details and, and help him learn what he can get away with and what he can't get away with at the NHL level. But like I said, he's, he's a smart kid. He's competitive. Um, and he'll take off. It's just gonna take some take him some time to figure out how to get around how to get around the rink and how to do things that he wants to do. But um like I said, he he wants to be the best and he wants the responsibility of being the best player on the team. So he's gonna he's got a really bright future.
0: I think one of the things that you just said right there is is huge for, you know, these young kids that are listening is be a sponge, right? Like there's something that he's probably looking at you like, oh man, this guy, I got a way better toe drag than him and all that type of stuff. Right. And I'm twice as skilled as, as Mike Greer ever will be, but you know, he can, he's, he knows that he can take so many valuable lessons from your career from you. And I think that's just something that's so important for, for young kids to hear is just, you know, be a sponge out there. And I think, like you said, that having that, having that inner thought process of like, I want to be the best and I want the puck on my stick and things like that is something that you can't teach. You really can't. It's, it, it it's hard, but to have that confidence, I think a lot of that comes from shinny hockey and small area games and things like that, that, you know, and, and us as coaches, we can provide that for our kids to create little competitions and have fun and, and get these kids to have that mindset that they want to, they have that inner motor to to be the best that they can be. And, and I think, like you said, too, that, being a sponge is so important, you know what I mean? Because a lot of times coaches, you know, you, kids look at feedback and they say, oh, this guy's criticizing me and he doesn't like me. And that's not the case at all. It's, it's you know, we want, you know, I know, you know, from my perspective it's you know, I'm giving you feedback because I want you to become better and I want you to be able to make, you know, make the right plays and, and try different things. Yeah, I think it's a great message. Number one overall pick
1: the coachability factor any kid can pick up on that message and I think it's a great great thing for the listeners to, to to hear because you know he's a great player to begin with he's he was drafted number one overall for a reason but always continuing to, trying to learn and that's that's great insight yeah he's got a bright future he'll be he'll be fine it wasn't the year that
3: he he had hoped but it's a it's a tough league and I think that's kind of what a lot of people underestimate you know he to go in as an eight year 18 year old tough it's it's not much different than, you know, these kids who go to try and play prep school hockey as a freshman. You know, they get discouraged. They think that they're going to walk in there against kids that are four or five years old than them and do the same things they're doing at their own age level. So, yeah, it's a little bit of an adjustment, but he'll be fine.
0: Think of it when you talked about your national championship team, you had a, a, a you know, future Hobie Baker winner and Chris Drury playing on the fourth line, right? And and Jay Pandolfo, a guy that went on to win Stanley Cups and, you know, was not you know, by the time he became a, a senior was scoring close to 50 goals, you know what I mean? So there's, there's obviously that adjustment period at any level. And, you know, it's crazy nowadays, you do see some guys that step right in and can play, but uh, it, it, it doesn't always happen. That's for sure. And, and, and you know, some sometimes a, a year or two of maturity helps and goes a long way. Absolutely. Well, Gracie, I wanted to just touch on one other thing. Obviously, you know, we're kind of wrapping up 2020 here, and and it's been it hasn't been the best year for anybody, right? But um, the you know, talk to us about um the loss of Travis Roy, and obviously, I, I you know, you sh- shared a little moment with with me, um, you know, how you were out on the ice with him, but, you know, at, at, at pregame skate and, you know, talk about his impact in, you know, your career and, and your life and being a teammate of his. And, uh, obviously we were all sad to hear that news, uh, when he passed a couple months ago.
3: Yeah, it was definitely, uh, definitely tough to see him go. And, um, you know, that night, the night where he got hurt is, was, was one of the tough, toughest nights, you know, that I've I've been through because um, he was such a such a great great kid, full of life. Um, like I was telling you, that morning skate before that first game was just him and I on the ice for probably twenty minutes. We were just kind of passing and shooting, just kind of talking, having a good time, and just enjoying being on being out in the ice, getting ready for the first game of the season. So, um, yeah, he uh, he was a special guy, and I, I don't think there's a lot of people who would have. Taken, what happened to him and made it into such a such a positive thing, and, and to be such a bright light, you know, he he touched and inspired so many people, um, you know, including myself to be to be better people and to live life to the fullest. Um, so he, he really was a a truly a, a great inspiration. That, like I said, it, it was a horrible thing that happened to him, but you know, the work and the time that he's put in to raise awareness for spinal cord injuries and rehabilitation and, and research. Um, you know, it's, it's going to go a long ways and will, it has helped and will help, you know, many, many, many people along, along the way. So, um, the truly, truly remarkable kid, man. Um, and it was, you know, it was an honor to, to know him and, uh, to get every time I got to see him, I, I really enjoyed just being around him and I, you know, you could never get over how, how positive and happy he was to see everyone and to be around the rink. So, um, yeah, just, just, just a great guy. And it was, it was tough to see him go. I think he was, from what I understand, he kind of made peace with it. It'd been a long ride, a long, hard, painful journey for him, but, um, you know, he, he's one of the people who, who left the world in a better place.
0: That's yeah, well said. Yeah, very well said. Well, Grazi, obviously we uh, you know, we would like to thank you so much for joining us. Uh this has been a treat and obviously I'm fortunate enough to talk to you on a on a daily basis and pick your brain about hockey things and and you know, I think um our listeners are going to really appreciate, you know, the perspective that you have on the game and hopefully we, you know, in the New England area now with with the the Pats being eliminated from the playoffs, we can uh, get our fins up and start, you know, everybody become (laughs) Dolphins fans, you know?
3: Yeah, fins up. We need need all the support we can (laughs) can get here.
0: (laughs) Well, I want to thank
1: you uh, as well, Grazi. It's always a pleasure to talk hockey, and you're a true gentleman uh, on and off the ice and uh, the consummate pro like you you kind of alluded to so appreciate you taking the time out to talk about your experiences both uh, as a player as a coach and and your perspective on the youth hockey uh i'm sure the viewers i mean the uh, listeners will love to hear some of those stories and we appreciate your time
3: yeah thanks for having me guys i really really had a blast and uh, i think this is great what you guys are doing it's a real positive thing and and i think it's uh it's good for good for hockey so thanks for having me on i appreciate it
0: Thanks, Gracie. Right. Do you want to skate fast? For 50 years, Laura Stam instructors have taught youth players to pros how to skate correctly, powerfully, and fast. Players who attend Laura Stam power skating programs learn how to skate fast by learning how to execute every maneuver in hockey. They become powerful, stable, efficient, and explosively fast skaters. If you can't wait for a clinic, join our subscription skills video service and we'll show you the skills taught at our clinics in an easy-to-use video format with training plans to guide your training. Register or subscribe now at laurastam.com. That's L-A-U-R-A-S-T-A-M-M dot com. You can learn to skate fast. Okay, and we hope everybody enjoyed that uh, conversation with Mike Greer. He uh, was an excellent interview, and, and obviously, he's a great friend to uh, Mott and I, and we really enjoy chatting with him. That's for sure. Yeah, a lot of ground covered. He's has a great perspective on on
1: all things. You know, he's done a lot, he's seen a lot, and uh, we're just happy that he could come on and share some of those experiences and his thoughts. So
0: appreciate it. And now it's uh, it's time for the mailbag. We get a. Uh, a couple couple voicemails that were uh, were left for the boys here so we're uh, we're excited the first one i think uh, talks about some penalties and 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 kids throwing flying elbows and things like that so the let's elbows. Uh, yeah <laughs> let's chat about that
2: what's up boys now you guys already touched upon it but i think it's a good thing to to kind of bring up again about like the checking and and kids really need to you know what kids need to do when they are checking, what what's a good check, what's not a good check. I kind of am seeing a lot of penalties. You know, kids
0: may they want to go out there and take kids' heads off, but we know that you're not. That's not doing them any good if they're in the if they're in the box.
1: So yeah, I mean, we did touch on it a little bit, but it's all about angles and skating and separating the player from the puck, going through the the player's hands, the, the biggest thing. So along the wall, like it would be easy to you know
0: kind of demonstrate should we get up and demonstrate yeah yeah stop to hit me with it let me get my shoulder pads out of the car
1: yeah angles stick and body position
0: and then you know you,
1: you can finish you can put the player up a little bit more with a little more oomph but keeping hands down it's it's a tough game to uh to play at times right now because there's a lot of um speed and you know unpredictability but if you're if you're Going to be the checking player, you want to make sure that you're under control, closing in on the player with your hands down, and
0: really thinking about going through their, their hands, especially along the wall. You got anything else there, right? Yeah, I mean, I think the the number one goal is to separate the guy from the puck. And I think, like you said, if your, your feet are moving, in your skating, you're going to be put yourself in a much better position. You're going to be much more balanced. You're going to have that good low center, center of gravity and be stronger on your skates. I think one of the bad habits that I see is kids, you know, they're not moving their feet and they kind of, you know, they, they, they throw their hands up, right? They're kind of, they're checking with their, their their hands and their gloves and their hands are high and again, the object of Body contact is to separate that guy from the puck, like you said. And so, if I go, if I drive through the guy's hands, and then I can chip the puck free, or maybe I take the puck, then that's that's the ultimate goal. But good to hear from good old Harry again. Yeah, Harry, Harry from, from High, High Park. Yeah, Harry from High Park. This guy, uh, he's a character that that's for sure. I can't believe this guy's a father. Yeah, <laughs> keep him
1: coming, Harry. We love we love hearing it. Love you, Harry. Well, one good thing though, actually, you know, as
0: as you watch, do you think Harry ever like played sports? JV soccer, yeah, it's definitely a JV guy. Probably not a hockey guy. But getting back to the question, with the
1: something that you can watch is uh, the women's game. The girls do a great job at it because they can't can't check, but it is a physical game. You know, the higher up you get, you watch some of these, um, say national team games or even like uh, college. um, They're very physical, but yet they're not blowing anyone up, and they're taking good angles, separating players from pucks. And that's just a good example. You know, that's kind of something that might be a good way to, to show some uh, good
0: examples to some younger kids. That's an excellent point. We, um, myself, actually Grazi and uh, Jay Pandoff, a bunch of guys, you were probably still playing, but it was the, we played against the women's Olympic team, not not this past Olympics. It must have been 2010 or 12. 14. Yeah, whenever. Yeah, a couple of years ago, not not the last Olympics, the one before we played against the women's national team at Belmont Hill a couple of times. And uh, I was shocked at how physical they played. Um, yeah. And it, it was it was fun. It was, a, you know, they competed hard and, and it was it was great hockey games. And obviously they could they were around here and they they don't have a lot of competition. Right. So it was those were fun games to play in. And they were, you know, that that very strong in the skates and tough and play hard. And there was a lot more bumping than, than I expected. Did you pull any ponytails? <laughs> Dude, I got dummied in the corners. I was, <laughs> you kidding me? They have a big sheet there, though. So, you, you know, you can probably
1: suck them in and then just uh, kind of sauce it by, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the only good thing with me. I was able to draw them in. I'm used to the big sheet up at UNH. But this, the, the 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 lungs and the skate not what they're used to, that's for sure. Yeah, that's great. Uh, what do we got next? The uh, I think this one's a... Uh, Harry from St. Louis or somebody.
2: Thanks, hey, fellas, love the show. Uh, calling from St. Louis. Uh, I have an eight, about to be nine-year-old, and a seven-year-old. Both play ice hockey. And my eight-year-old uh, didn't earn the promotion this past season to the next level. Like, uh, like I hoped he would. But um, what is your guys' opinion on? Um our kid, like in his situation, he uh, plays the game the right way. He knows where to be. Uh, he he's always making a team play. He plays, you know, we, we emphasize a full line scheme. Uh, and, you know, he's, he's getting assists and goals at the same rate. He's creating, uh, you know, some great defensive plays that start offense. Uh, the kind of stuff we talk about. Um, but, in a four-day evaluation here, uh, he's not very flashy. Um, he throws his weight around a little bit, not afraid to get physical, uh, skates hard, but not a puck hawk, not trying to showcase, you know, Patrick Kane-level skill or anything. Just plays steady hockey, hard hockey. But, you know, at these ages, it seems like the uh, evaluators want to see this crazy skill at all costs should we look at, I mean, he's only eight, but should we look at, you know, trying to become one of those players or in the future, and this is kind of my opinion, in the future, if he just stays on his current path, playing the game the way he plays it now, eventually the right people will see him or the right coach will will understand or see his value. Uh, Just looking at, you know, what you guys think on that. Thanks.
1: I think there's a couple different things here. You you can obviously continue to develop your skill set. You, there's never a uh, kind of ceiling on, on working on your skills and and your you know individual skills. Can never you, have enough tools in your toolbox. Yeah, but if your your son is kind of looking to make those short passes, a team game, moving pucks, encourage that. Like that. That's one of the things that if if these evaluators are not you know, valuing that, then, you know, it's it's a difficult situation to be in, but, you know, that, that's not the team that you want to be on. You know, you have, um, you know, a skill set of, of that's going to translate, in my opinion, and you get each step of the way, the game gets tighter, and, you know, these kids that are able to do some individual stuff and beat players one-on-one, it, they won't be able to do it, but finding those little areas to create two-on-ones, move pucks when you should, that's going to translate. So I would say stay on the same path, but continue to work on the, the skill development. I mean, there's, like I said, there's never a, a ceiling on, on the development of a player. So keep working at it. And ha- encourage your son to uh, not be discouraged, which is very difficult to do at that age when you don't make a team. But if you have good perspective and you, you understand the long-term development of, a, of the player and, and the process that that can uh, take shape as far as the, the team kind of game and the responsibilities that you're saying that he has uh, in his game, then I would say just stay the course and and just uh, try to support him as much as you can.
0: Yeah, I would say, you know, first of all, thanks for the call. It, it's great to hear from, you know, guys around the country, that's for sure. And, and you know, I'm glad to see we're uh, touching on the audience out in St. Louis, and obviously that's become a, a real hockey hotbed yeah, out there. great sports town. Um, But, you know, also – you know, he's, he's what, eight, nine years old. It's a, it's a long career path and it's, you know, I wouldn't be discouraged by you not making the top team. We've talked to multiple guys that didn't always play at the highest level. You think, you know, I think of our interview with Zach Sanford, he played, you know, around here in Massachusetts, there's all these, you know, elite programs and things like that. And he grew up playing in more of a, you know, the second tier, the, the, the triple A or tier one, whatever they call it. And, Look at him now. You know what I mean? He's now playing for the St. Louis Blues. So don't be discouraged by that type of stuff. I think you, you know, you, you have to, you know, continue to get better and continue to improve and obviously, you know, focus on your skill development and, and it'll get there. But we just talked to Mike Greer and he talked about, you know, he was never the flashiest player, but he knew you know he was a a responsible player the coaches knew they could rely on him in all key situations not to make mistakes and things like that so just stay the course continue to improve continue to have fun with it and and you know it'll be fine and, and you know you'll find your path so don't don't be discouraged too early that's for sure we do have a couple uh couple questions from the mailbag guys you know that that submitted some uh, some emails to us the first one was from uh Marcelo and his question was more or less: uh, Are there any tips on playing two on ones and puck retrievals for defensemen? Yep, that's a
1: great question. So as far as retrievals, I um, you know there's a couple checkpoints that you can kind of reference back to. You know, you can write them down because sometimes it, it these habits um, you you want to make it a habit, but again, it's, it's very difficult to consistently. Um, kind of execute those when so much is going on. But shoulder checking is one of the biggest things that you can uh, do as a defender going back for a retrieval. Um, and it's not just the token, you know, flash your chin over the shoulder. It's really turn your head and gain information. Understand where your players are, where where the four checks coming from, and then also understanding where the puck is. So you have an ability to either take an angle or lose a four-checker if they're right on you going straight out of puck. So there's multiple ways. We I know we chatted about this, and we do some of it with our D-specific camps. But the retrieval part of it, though, gaining information so you can you have make a better decision. So you're shoulder-checking, looking to see where your players are, the 4 is coming from, and then you execute. Um, as far as the two-on-ones, do you have anything on that other than...
0: No, I think, uh, you know... Beach Peterson, long body. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say lie down and block at the... You know, I think it's important in playing a two-on-one is, you know, you, you look... If it's a straight two on one and you're coming down the ice, um, you know, and let's say you're outside the blue line, you're kind of looking: is the player's head down? Can you make a, a step up on this guy and force him to to turn the puck over right away? If not, you know, if you want to sit back, you've got to have good communication with your goaltender, uh, basically letting letting him know that you're going to take the, the the passer and deny that pass going to the back door, and you're communicating with him to focus on the shot. So maybe it's a little point, maybe it's a little go go, you know. You get to shoot a little talk, things like that. Um, another thing that I, I really encourage is the kids. Um, you know, if it is a two on one, give some false information as a defenseman, and maybe it's a little you know a, a little fake at the guy, like you're gonna attack him um, because a lot of a lot of times a guy might have his head down and he might pick it up when he sees you, and you know he mishandles the puck and it ends up on your stick half the time. So, giving that little false information is very important on the offensive side of the game, but it also is, and, you know, defensively as well, and little fakes and things like that I think is important. And then just having a good active stick, um, you know, we always talked about, especially when I was younger, was, you know, kind of that stick uh, is like a snake tongue, right? You you, you you throw it out and you pull it back and different things like that. So I think just, you know, being active and, and trying to take away that passing lane communication is very important. One other thing, you know, you touched on the re- retrievals is all good points, but I always focus, especially at the younger age groups, is, You know, communication with your partner, and also get into that net, right? Try to get to that net because that's going to provide you an extra layer of protection, right? You can use the net if the guy chases you. You can cut a tight, cut a tight, and get the puck up the wall, or carry, or or hit the guy in the middle, or you can stop at the net. You can reverse directions all by using that net as kind of a little bit of a, you know, a buffer or or a a pick, basically. So alignment. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Okay. Exactly. No, that's but great. Great question. But yeah. uh, Marcelo, thank you for that. Our next one was a uh, was actually a tweet from uh, Josh Royce. Josh, this it, it, question is, hey, bud, serious question here. I have a 10U girls team. Do you follow the ADM and run uh, station based practices? I'm a believer in station based, but the other guys are old school and the, they seem to waste ice. Merry Christmas. And thank you for a great podcast.
1: Yeah, so this is a good question because you know at times I felt I feel that you know the ADM model can be forced down your throat a little bit, but there's such value in and good stations as well, and it keeps kids moving. Uh, if you have the right drills set up and you can kind of move it along, um, so I I think there can be a balance. You know, yep. to be honest with you, uh, you know. And it's, you know, 10, you 10 girls is, is an age where they can still, you know, benefit a lot from touches, you know, and and getting, you know, in tight areas, whether it be a game or or tight turns and figuring it out. But also, you know, you're playing full ice games as well. So you want to stretch, stretch them out a little bit. Um, But I I would, uh, I would say err on the side of a
0: blend. You know, yeah, you, yeah. you don't want to do one or the other. I don't know. What are your thoughts? I mean, I coach kind of at that level. Obviously, my 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 youngest Liam's teams the 2011, so they are you know nine going to be ten. Uh, most of those kids. So I would say that I think the, the the stations are very important. It depends on your structure of your practice ice as well. Like for for my team, we have one full sheet and one half sheet. So you know, we we kind of design things as. You know, I don't want kids. A lot of kids standing around, and a lot of times you see guys when they're running practices where they're doing, say, like a half ice practice, and they're doing a two-on-one out of the zone or something like that. So now you have thirteen kids standing around, which I think is wasted ice time. You're usually on the out there for fifty minutes, so I think it's it's high reps, high energy, and I think the the you know the ADM and the station based stuff really provides that. So what we do a lot with the team that Grazi and I coaches, you know, we were fortunate enough to have two goalies. We do a little game to get going, some cross ice, some different um, small area stuff. So the kids are getting reps and, you know, now there's at least six kids going and both goalies are engaged. Uh, then we'll split up depending on the number of coaches we have on the ice that night and get into a couple more, you know, two or three different stations and really utilize the ice. Well, work on different things, you know, whether it's skating drills, puck drills, stick handling drills, all different things, and then also the you know and then and then kind of we finish off uh with with some more gameplay and some more 3 on 3s or a shootout and things like that cuz it's also fun for the kids too right they enjoy it and that you got to have them you know love coming to the rink and then when we do have a a, a full sheet at that age which we're lucky enough to have is it's, uh, you know, we've started to introduce a little bit of kind of flow drills and some of the different passing drills and things like that, utilizing more of the full ice, which is nice. But, you know, then we, we do break down into whether it's two zones or three zones. Sometimes I'll break up and take just the defense and work on some different things like that as well. We have a pretty talented group. So it's, you know, again, the, you want to keep kids engaged and keep kids moving. I don't like kids standing around in line with it you know it just ends up with them one kid hits another kid over the head with a stick and and all that type of stuff there's 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 more room for distractions when they're standing around in line that's for sure that's that's really good yeah so just going back to that uh puck retrieval
1: uh question that's from uh marcello martinelli who uh i've worked with on the ice oh nice great little player great feet has a real good head for the game and we talked about that burning desire to get better he's he's one of those kids that you know has that internal drive and
0: it's a pleasure to work with him. Oh, that's awesome that's awesome we uh we did get some uh some questions through our instagram a uh, couple good ones here Mott you uh, you want to take charge with any of these so the first one here that says uh, how many turkey
1: tilts has Motts won you know, fights so-
0: No, no, it's You're fighting over the turkey leg at the um, Motto household?
1: Yeah, I'm undefeated in that one. Yeah, Rob would body slam you. I know know your brother. No, this is a uh, uh, Thanksgiving day. You'd be eating a turkey sandwich, that's about (laughs) it. You'd be giving me the typewriter with a lungy yo-yo over my head. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, the turkey tilt is a uh, Thanksgiving day tradition that uh, has been organized by... uh, you know Ross Murray, Mike Murray. There's there's a couple guys out there that have been instrumental in organizing it. And since I stopped playing, I, I've been a part of it. So I would say it was uh, four tilts that have uh, come away with the ring. So no, nothing. Uh, no business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good stuff. It, it's a great way to start your Thanksgiving. You know? Oh yeah, another championship, and then uh, just go home
0: and and you get a little drip stuffy, in little little yeah. sweat, and you're good to go. Exactly. All that good stuff. The, uh, another one that I liked was, uh, as a result of COVID, do you think hockey will, will suffer a little over in, in say five years?
1: I don't, I, I mean, we're trying to make, make the best of it right now. I don't, I really don't think so. I mean, there is some say lag on, you know, some of the kids, uh, being able to, to play as much as they may have been able to, but I don't think it will, it'll have long-term effects.
0: Yeah. I don't think so either. I mean, I think the kids, um, you know i i can at least talk about around here the kids are getting their reps they're getting practices in you know i know different parts of the the country they've shut down different practices and things like that but hopefully uh these kids can make it up and and you know sometimes a little bit of a break for some of these kids might actually motivate them and get them a little fuel you know yeah no i, I agree i just
1: kind of expedite the process enough and uh, one last one here. Hockey shop etiquette. Just because your son has a game in twenty minutes, you can't cut the line. Sorry, just continuing. Just cannot cut the line on the skate sharpening line. Mm. What do you think?
0: Well, it's kind of like that airport line, right? <laughs> you know, like if you're, it, if you're going, uh you know, if you're like gonna miss a flight, I think you got to have a little bit of common and courtesy and be like, oh, dude, you got a game in ten minutes? Yeah, you can you can sharpen your skates ahead of mine. But, yeah. Uh, I- uh, yeah, I, I I get it. I guess I don't know. I'll carve out a little bit more time before take a look at the skates the night before, maybe, and understand you have to get to the. Well, we're definitely not taking skate shopping advice from you after uh, <laughs> after Ryan's uh, it, incident before his first high school tryout. So, I no, got a you- skate shopper now all set up. All right, you're good to go. Bzz, bzz, good. Old school. Good. It's about time. Well. Once again, thank you for the, uh, the questions. Make sure you guys, um, you know, any voicemails, that number is three, four, seven, six shrink and we're available on, on Twitter and Instagram and anything else, Martz? No, that was a great uh, mailbag session. Keep them coming. Great stuff today, Martz. Um, you know, obviously would like to wish you guys by the time this comes out, it'll be right around new year. So happy new years from the rank shrinks. Uh, we had a great session with, uh, with Mike Greer, great interview. Really enjoyed that conversation, and I hope uh, all you fans out did there as well, and, and good stuff. Yeah, let's put 2020 behind us. Looking forward to a, a great new year and,
1: and good things, positive things to come forward. So, yeah. awesome.
0: Happy New Year. Happy New Year, guys. Thank you.